You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are actually on our sixth and our final installment of our series entitled Gospel Demonstrated. And this is actually a run-through and a journey through the book of James. James happens to be the the brother of Jesus, and he is one of the apostolic leaders in Jerusalem. And he wrote a very interesting book because uh, this book basically puts substance uh, in our faith. Uh, Last uh, series, we talked about the Great Exchange which uh, is an unpacking of the book of Ephesians, and it talks about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe that all of us are grateful for the fact that you and I are forgiven, and you and I are recipients of God's grace and forgiveness, and that we are also given the opportunity to receive eternal life. As we journey through the book of James, this happens to be the one that actually also tells us that faith has to be combined with works, not for salvation, but for a proof, you know, uh, we talked about gospel declaration and gospel proclamation. And that's the reason why this series is known as the gospel demonstrated and gospel dem- uh, demonstration. Now, when you talk about the gospel, gospel has been revealed to us and is being revealed through us. God wants to use us as vessels of the gospel. Amen. He wants to use us as his hands and feet and mouth. Uh, to declare, to proclaim, to demonstrate, and to show uh, the love of Jesus towards other people. I believe that God wants to use the church. Uh, God wants to bless us. And, you know, how many of you are praying for a special blessing for your family and for yourself? You know, it's, it's, it's always good to, to pray for blessing because we know that there is a purpose for blessing. The blessing in itself is not the end prayer and it's not an end by, uh, you know, on itself. Okay? A blessing is meant for a specific purpose. And I believe that God wants to bless you and me so that we can be a blessing or a channel of blessings to others. God blessed Abraham and he said, you know, I blessed you. Whoever blessed you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. I have called you to be a blessing to the nations. And today as we end uh, this series on the book of James, we will be talking about something that uh, we are... Uh, dealing with on a daily basis. You know, when you talk about situations in life, for example, like uh, patience. How many of you are in need of patience every single day? Uh, this particular chapter deals with that. You know, we honored the mom earlier, and one of the uh, biggest trait and characteristic that mom needs really is patience. Amen. Uh, patience for the children, patience uh, for the husband. Uh, you know, and, and all of us, you know, not only mothers, but even uh, husbands, you know, students, uh, we all are in need of patience because many times we are, you know, as we live in this fast-paced world, we want everything done right now, okay? Uh, you know, we want to travel right away. We want to be able to reach our destination right away. We want to be able to uh, download uh, whatever document or data that we need or information from the internet right away. Remember the time when you were downloading something and you hear this uh, particular sound? Ding, ring, 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 ding, you know, it's a dial-up connection, okay? Those of you who are younger, you don't even know what I'm talking about, okay? But for those of you who are smiling, huli ka, okay? Because you know what I'm talking about. Back in the day, there's no fast-speed internet. 
it was a dial-up thing. You know, uh, to, for you to be able to download data, it, it will require you like hours to download, I don't know, a movie. It'll take you days. But nowadays, a few minutes of delayed, galit tayo. We become so impatient. You know, we become, you know, uh, uh, angry already at the, at the service provider. Okay, a little delay, for example, in our flight, you know, at the airport, you know, we, we blame the, the, the companies, okay, whatever, uh, you know, airline company that is, you know, just a little delay, a few minutes delay, or maybe, you know, uh, just sitting there in the airplane waiting for you to be taxied out of the runway of Naia 3. How many of you know that nowadays, if you fly, it'll take a, a long time? It's challenging. But back in the day, can you imagine the Apostle Paul, when they would travel from country to country, it'll take them months. To ride the Donkey Express, <laughs> to ride a boat or a ship, you know, from, from, uh, from, the, from Jerusalem, maybe to Crete or maybe to, uh, to Italy, you know, sharing the gospel, it'll take them months. But nowadays, it'll take you just a few hours to get from one destination to the next, and yet many times we feel that it is still not as fast. We become impatient. We deal with this virtue. Every single day. How many of you are praying for patience? Please raise your hand. How many of you would like to receive patience now? You wait, okay? If you have your Bibles, please open to the book of James chapter 5. We are ending this series. And next week, we're starting a brand new series about the Holy Spirit. What an exciting new series on the Holy Spirit will be starting by next Sunday. So James chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 7, uh, 7 to 11. Okay, 7 to 11. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this afternoon. I ask, Lord God, that you would give us, uh, once again, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, and that we can apply this in our own personal lives. Help us, just like a farmer, just like the prophets, just like Job, to persevere and to be patient in the midst of even uncalled sufferings and pains. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that your grace would always be sufficient for us. And may we today, as we talk about the Scripture, have a different view and perspective of why we have to go through sufferings. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. All right, you know, when you talk about patience, of course, there's one application of patience, and that is time. You know, when you talk about patience, it requires waiting. And I know that we are celebrating Mother's Day today. Maybe you came from lunch, and you probably realize that eating in a restaurant today is not really just a... Uh, wise idea, but you know, especially if there's you know tons of people in the restaurants ordering uh, there, it will require you to have patience and waiting for your food to come. 
But yet, the context of James is not just in the area of waiting for something. In fact, his context is more on the area of suffering, on the area of hardships, on the area of trials. And, you know, we talked about this in chapter 1. And we, uh, when James was introducing the context of his entire book, he was talking about uh, addressing this book to the saints who are scattered uh, in the diaspora. Basically, the reason why they are scattered is because of the persecution that hit the church during that time. You remember that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said before he went back to heaven, uh, you know, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the what? To the ends of the earth. That's after chapter 1, verse 8. And yet the, the church, I guess, decided to remain in Jerusalem. And instead of them being missional, they stayed there where they are. And the Bible says persecution hit. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the reverse of 1, verse 8, here we can see that God has driven them out of Jerusalem because they were scattered out of the persecution. Ultimately, if you don't want to obey God, God will want you or make you obey Him. Amen. God has a way of making us obey Him. I mean, how many of you have discovered that by now? You know, He is Lord over our lives. He is sovereign. Yet suffering is a part of the Christian life. And we see this in the book of James. He started off in James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. So patience, we need patience in suffering. And yet, when you talk about testing, it produces patience. It's kind of like, you know... Uh, Chicken and egg, which comes first? Patience or suffering? Suffering or patience? You need patience in suffering, but yet the more you suffer, the more patient you become. Amen. So faith produces perseverance, uh, patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of us would like to be perfect, according to Ed Sheeran? Okay? You know? You'd like to be perfect, or you'd like to marry a perfect person? And I believe that perfection comes from testing. Perfection comes you know, from us going through struggles and going through difficulties in life as well. We need to learn how to wait patiently in faith as we go through suffering. Book of James started off by talking about suffering. It also ended the last chapter by talking about suffering. It says, is anyone among you Suffering, it is a question. Let him pray. That is the response. And how many of us are going through some difficulties right now? You don't even have to raise your hand. Just smile, okay? And if you're not going through it, and if you haven't experienced it, don't worry, it will come, okay? I mean, that's, I didn't say that. It's the Lord Jesus who said that. In this world, you will have troubles. Trust in me because I have overcome the world. Don't despair when you go through difficulties. Amen. Suffering is a part of a Christian life. And somehow, I think that many times our theology is, you know, a little bit whacked out because we think that as a Christian, it's like a bed of roses. 
that you don't have to go through pain and suffering, that somehow God is obligated to be our waiter and at beck and call, Lord, deliver me right now. You know, it's as if that God owes us anything or something. But yet we realize that if you go from page to page of the Bible, the people of God suffered. The people of God went through difficulties and hard times. But yet God has always been faithful in delivering them. Amen. He waits at the right time before He delivers His people. Amen. Because I believe that every time you and I go through pain and suffering, it is meant to teach us a lesson. My question is this. What was the biggest suffering and pain and hardship and trial that you may have encountered in your life? It may be a personal sickness. It may be a marriage breakdown. It may be losing a job. It may be a business that you've started three months lang, wala na. You know, or it may be a friend who stabbed you in the back and who betrayed you. It may be, you know, the list can go on and on and on. It may be a boss. Tomorrow you're not excited to go to work because your boss will be there again, you know, waiting to dump, you know, uh, judgment or you know, more work or even uh, not appreciative of your work or your task. You know, the list can go on and on. We all go through that. It may be something like a sickness or it may be a loss of a loved one in the home. Suffering is real. It is painful. We don't want to trivialize suffering, you know, but yet it draws us to pray. You know, I realize also that when you talk about suffering, suffering has a tendency or have a way of us being drawn near to God. When people are blessed, we thank the Lord like token thank you. Lord, thank you. You know, I'm blessed. God, thanks. You're good, you know. But yet when we suffer, how many of you know, close kayo ni Lord? Because in this particular case, you will kneel down, you will fast, you will cry out to God, you will make sure that God hears you, you're going to seek, ask, and knock at the door, you're going to do everything you can to be heard by God. Same is true, you know, when I got, you know, some of you have, or many of you have heard of our story when we lost our son 15 years ago because of a sickness called TB meningitis, eight-year-old son, you know, when he got sick, the whole church prayed. You know, it was a young church. You know, we were 2003. We were not even in multiple sites. We had one site back there in a small uh, place near Honda, Alabang, called Westgate. It was a basement. You know, we were about, I don't know how many we were, less than a thousand people. But we were praying. We were knocking at heaven's doors. We were fasting. We were, you know, they organized a prayer chain for my son. 40-day prayer chain for different people to pray for my son. We prayed. We cried out. But yet, the inevitable happened. December 28th of 2003, we lost our son to TB meningitis. Now, my question is, will I not serve God even after that? Will I be angry at God and say, God, how dare you? You know, I am a pastor. I serve you. You know, I've, been, I've given up everything, you know, my career to be able to follow you in the ministry. And yet, one simple uh, prayer you did not answer. I mean, I don't have the right to do that because I have placed my life in the sovereign hand of God. But yet, I know that something good came out of that. Amen. And, you know, no one or no other children can replace my son. Though God gave me two more daughters, they can never replace 
my Jerome. But that I just put my faith in the Sovereign Lord. If you ask me today, Pastor, so why is it that God took your son? I don't know. In fact, this is one of my heaven's list. One of the things and the questions I will ask God when I get to heaven, I said, Lord, back it. In order for me to understand his work. But yet, all I know is this. I went through pain. We went through suffering. Yet his grace is always sufficient for us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will actually hold us by his hand. He will be there through the fire. You may sing that song from long ago, through the fire, yet he will never be absent beside you. He'll always be there. If you're suffering today, let's cry out to God and pray. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, yet shouts in our pains. We can actually hear God more in the midst of our suffering and pain, can't we? We go through severity of life, but yet we know that we will be ultimately delivered by God in all this. Verse 7, let's read this. Be patient. Everyone say, be patient. Tell the person beside you, be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. This is the call of patience. And here we can see the three times he actually said or mentioned this word patient or patience uh, in, in this letter. Just to define the word patience, patience actually comes from the Greek word makrotomeo. Okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated word, two words, which means to defer anger, therefore to suffer long without reacting. Have you ever actually been patient without reacting? That is the grace of God, okay? The short definition is perseverance and patience. To give you a quick you know, um, rundown, what it really means, comes from two words, macro, which means large or long. What's the opposite of macro? Micro or minute and small. Macro is large and long. And thomeo means suffering or another way of seeing it is thermos. How many of you are familiar with thermos? What's the purpose of a thermos? To keep our beverage hot for a long period of time. That is the picture of patience in the midst of suffering. You're not actually wanting to run away from it. You're actually keeping it and standing under it, knowing that God's deliverance will come eventually. Amen. Long suffering, and you're able to withstand the pressure that comes out there. This is so true when you have a situation in your workplace. This is so true when you have a situation you know, in your marriage between husband and wife. If there's a, you know, a, a, a passionate discussion, or okay, whatever, okay, or a fight. Or maybe something deeper there. It is true, you know, when you have a child who backslid or who turned away his, you know, his, his life from God and you're crying out and you're praying, Lord, when is that going to happen? Macrothomeo is actually long suffering. Everybody say long suffering. Long suffering. And the thing about long-suffering is you don't even know when it will end. It will end. It's, that's why it's called long. But yet, we know that when you talk about storms, when you talk about suffering, sufferings and storms are always temporary. It's bound to end. We've gone through storms. here. We are so familiar with storms. We know that there is no permanent storm. They have to leave our country eventually. And that's also the situation with 
storms in life. That's why we see here in verse 7 and 9, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Three times you see the word patient, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Third time, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The definition of patience is macrothemeo. The motivation of patience is this, because the Lord is coming again someday. In fact, when the, you know, when the Apostle James was writing this, he was writing this word, the coming of the Lord is what? At hand. It's imminent. It's here already. How many of you know that 2,000 years ago when he was writing this, he probably believed that, the, that his brother is coming back right away? Because of the persecution that's happening in the church, he's believing that his brother is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back one right away. But yet, 2,000 years after, we know that Jesus hasn't come back yet. Amen. And we're still waiting. But what, one thing we know also, that we are nearer now than when James wrote this book. Amen. In fact, I don't know if you remember, maybe some of you were not yet born. <laughs> Back in 1988, okay, uh, there's somebody who wrote 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. Guess what happened? He did not come back in 1988. People were like selling stuff. People were like already preparing, packing. The Christians are like, you know, having this mentality. Okay, we're going to be taken up to heaven anytime. Okay, 1988. You know, so they're looking forward to the 1988 fever. And then 1989 New Year came. We're all still here. So the same author wrote and rewrote and revised the book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. And we're still here. No one knows, the Bible says, when Jesus is coming. But we know that it is imminent. In fact, he said this uh, to his disciples. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age, you know. And then he started saying, you know, about wars, about this, about earthquakes, and about all. And we've seen so many wars, amen. We've seen so many earthquakes. We've seen so many things that are supposedly signs of the coming. And Jesus said this in verse 27, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, it will be sudden. You won't be able to Predict it. It will just come right away. And then he said also, for as we were, uh, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the sun. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. And during the days of Noah, how I many of you know that it was like just business as usual for them? Business as usual. People were marrying. People were drinking. People were giving in marriage. Same as it is today. People are just doing their own thing. And how many of you know that the Lord's coming is at hand? And yet I believe that as Christians and as the church, you and I should not be fearful of the coming of the Lord. Amen. In fact, there is a joyful expectation. Lord, come Lord Jesus. That's the last you know, statement in the book of Revelation. We're expectant of your coming. But yet we're busy sharing your word. And the attitude ought to be this. 
If we know that Jesus is coming back soon, then we ought to have the urgency to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to Him and also share the good news to the people that we love. Amen. This is not solely dependent on the church. The coming back of the Lord is solely dependent on the Father telling Jesus, now is the time for you to come and marry your bride. And guess what? We are the bride of Christ. He is coming back for a glorious bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. You and I will be one body together with the other believers and we will meet Him and He will marry us and there's going to be a grand reception in heaven. That's going to happen someday. So be patient. Everybody say, be patient. Be patient because the Lord is coming soon. If you're going through difficult times and the Lord comes today, praise God, suffering is over. If you're going through some times of you know, uh, uh, persecution and the Lord comes tomorrow, suffering is over. The Lord's vindication comes as He comes also. And the Lord's glorification will be here as well when He comes we look at the exhortation of um, James, and let's look, look very quickly to the three examples that he used in the Scripture. First, he used the analogy of the farmer. Everybody say the farmer. How many of you are familiar with farming? You have, you know, you have an experience in farming. You know, this morning, there were several people who are so familiar with farming because maybe they, are, they have a farm, they, have, uh, they own properties in, uh, whatever, in Sila, in Tagaytay, or in Cavite, or whatever. You know, I'm familiar with gardening, not farming, okay? Uh, Small-scale farming, okay? Maybe some of you lived in Cubao and you're familiar with farmers. But that's farmer's market, okay? Uh, so that's not really farming. So today, we're, we're going to look at, you know, what does the farmer have to do with waiting? We know that when the farmer plants a seed, all he has to do is to trust that the seed that he planted will bear much fruit. And he said here, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the what? The early and the late rain. They said that in the Jewish calendar, the early rain happens about October, November of the year. And that's the start of the harvest. And the later rain is about maybe April to May. That's like a few weeks before the actual harvest. Okay, or sorry, start of the planting. And the other one, the late rain is a few weeks before harvest time. And we know that a farmer, you know, when, you, when he plants a seed, he will not be impatient about that seed. He knew exactly that that seed will stay there in the ground for a while before that will come out as a tree that will bear much fruit. No matter how hard you pray and fast, if you plant a mango seed today, how many of you know there will not be a mango tree tomorrow? It'll take time. It's a principle. And yet, if you look at farming, you know, something is happening underneath. You plant a seed, you don't see it, but there is something that is happening underneath. Amen. You look at your suffering. You look at the thing that you're going through right now in your family, in your finance, in your health, in your office, in your relationship, something is happening underneath. Even if you don't see it, even if you're not conscious, even if you're not aware of it, just trust the Lord that something is happening underneath. And that's the beauty of farming. You don't see it, but yet in the right time, it will come out and it will bear a harvest 
that you are expecting. A farmer is always in faith to expect. Of course, if there are pests or if there are calamities, that's another thing. But in a normal cycle of farming, what he sows is what he reaps. If you sow a seed of mango, what will you reap? Not watermelon, right? You will reap the same thing. And I believe that in farming, that is exactly the principle. If you sow seeds of kindness, you will reap kindness. If you sow seeds of trust and faith, you will receive faith. If you sow seeds of complaint and grumbling, guess what you will receive? Mm. There's something happening while you are waiting. The question is, are you preparing for the harvest during the waiting season? Maybe some of you are waiting for a job. Go and prepare yourself to be the best employee in that company. Maybe some of you are praying for a car. Okay? You've been asking, Lord, I'm so tired of commuting. The question is, do you have a license? Do you know how to drive? Are you ready for the maintenance? Are you ready for the gas? Are you ready for the RFID? Lord, I want to go back to grab. Okay? Or whatever. Okay? You know, you know, whatever you're praying for, are you getting ready for that? If you are a single, for example... And you're asking, Lord, when is my time? I am not well advanced in years, but I am just a little bit advanced. But when is Mr. or Miss Right coming? My question is, are you preparing yourself to be that Mr. or Miss Right? Are you learning life skills? Are you saving up? Are you, you know, developing the character of Christ? Guess what? If you're asking for companionship, and if you're lonely today as a single, guess what? It will be lonelier when you're married because you don't know how to trust in God. You've got to learn how to be complete in the Lord. Amen. Because that statement of, you complete me. You know, it's really Hollywood. No one can complete us. Only the Lord can complete us. There is a vacuum in our heart that only God can fill and not a human being, not a relationship, not a husband, not a wife. You know, when you talk about marriage, it's two complete individuals marrying one another, not two, yeah, like, whole or partial, or, you know, and then they actually complete one another. They complement each other, but they don't necessarily complete one another. Are we preparing our hearts for that big day? You look at the yearbook, Lord, lahat may apo na. Parang gano'n, okay? Ako wala. Anyway, so, anyway, that's, that's a different thing, okay? Waiting time is not wasted time when you are waiting for the Lord. Every time you wait, every time there's a season of, you know, suffering, every time there's a season of pain, it is not wasted time. You may feel that I'm going around in circles. No, it's not. You are being forged into the image of Christ so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Do not grumble against one another while waiting, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We have to have the proper disposition when we are waiting for our answers to prayer. First picture is what? The picture of a farmer. Second picture is a picture of the prophets. You know, he's talking about, you know, uh, an example that he uses, the prophets of old. Uh, as an example, verse 10, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And Jesus used 
the suffering example of the prophets in order for us to learn from their experience. Many of the prophets stood their ground. The prophet is actually a representative of God. He speaks to the people on behalf of God. And many times what he speaks, the people do not want to hear. Especially kings that are wicked during the time of Israel. When a prophet would speak against you know, the evil practice of a king, he would actually be hanged or imprisoned or tortured and so on and so forth. But the, the prophets were willing to go through torture and willing to go through pain in order for them to represent the Lord. We got to serve the Lord no matter what. I got to declare, you know, some of the prophets who served God no matter what were Jeremiah, he was in prison. Isaiah, the tradition says that he was sawed in half. He had a double anointing, okay? He was sawed in half. Uh, he, um, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Um, and so on and so forth. There's so many. Stephen in the, in the New Testament, okay? He was stoned to death. And they were persecuted. And yet they stood for what they believed was right. They suffered. Maybe you're going through that in your company. You're persecuted. Or maybe you're going through that in your family. You're the only believer in your home. And yet you are persecuted. Just stand your ground. I believe God's deliverance is here. Remember the story of these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how King Nebuchadnezzar has you know, built a tower of himself, and he said to everybody, we want everybody to bow down at the sound of the trumpet, and everybody bowed down except these three Hebrew boys. Of course, Daniel was also part of that. But these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down before the king, and the king warned them, if you don't bow down, I will throw you into the fiery furnace. And so they politely answered the king, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we would want to respect you, but we will never bow down because we know that the Lord will deliver us. But even if he does not deliver us, we know, O king, that we should not be bowing down to you as well. This angered the king so much. He threw them in the furnace and he was surprised that as he threw them, he saw not three people in the furnace, but four. And these four people were walking there inside the furnace and he saw that the king himself said, didn't we throw three? Why is there a fourth man? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. And they went out of that furnace. They didn't even smell like smoke. Guess what? If you stand up for God in your company, if you stand up for God for what is right, if you stand up for God for what you're going through in your family, in your home, I believe that you may go to this furnace God will deliver you. He will be right there at your side and you will come out from that furnace not smelling like vape or smoke. God will deliver you. Amen. If we stand up for what is right. Last picture is Job. Of course, when you talk about suffering, how many of you know that Job is the best? He's the recipient of the Medal of Honor. He's the first one there. And you know, nothing can compare to the suffering of Job. I couldn't even imagine what he has gone through. And so James said, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And that was Job. You have heard the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, let me pause here. How can God be merciful and compassionate 
if Job lost everything. I mean, if you look at Job chapter 1, what an amazing account. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was what? Blameless. He was upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. How many of you think that you are like Job? He was a righteous man. There's nothing wrong about Job. He was not being punished. And the Bible says, he born to him was seven sons, three daughters, possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. We don't know how many servants, but he was rich. And this was a man who was the greatest of all the people of the East. And yet one day, Satan appeared before the Lord and said, the reason why your son Job is worshiping is because you put a hedge of protection around him. Remove the protection. And I believe that he will curse you to your face. So God said, okay, if that's what you want, I remove the hedge of protection. But to the man, don't touch him. But you are free to touch whatever. Read this in book of, the book of Job. And so Satan went and he did this thing. In one day, Job lost all his ten children. He lost all his servants except one who was running to report to Job. And the Bible says, while he was still speaking, another servant came and told another bad news. And while he was still speaking, another servant came and told the bad news. Can you imagine what that would be for Job? And at the end of that line, Job just tore his robe. And, you know, uh, I don't know what he's, he did. Okay? He put on uh, ashes, and this is what he declared. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and he worshipped the Lord. Can you imagine? The first thing that Job did after losing his children, his business, his main, uh, servants, his, you know, and even eventually got so much boils in his body was he decided to worship the Lord. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The only thing that was left with Job was his nagging wife. Siguro sabi niya, Lord, sana ito na lang inuna mo. Parang ganun, okay? <laughs> but to add injury to pain or pain to injury or however you say it, there's a nagging wife that told Job, just curse God and die. You know, at this point, how many of you know that it is necessary for you to have somebody to stand alongside you to encourage you? And yet the very woman that he married, anyway, said bad things about the Lord. Talaga na naman, Lord. But yet he was steadfast. He was patient. He stood the test. And we know at the end of Job, Job chapter 42, verse 5, Job declared, Before I, I heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. And God was faithful to him. And he gave him back twice the amount that he lost. And he gave them even more beautiful children after that. We don't know. There's nothing specific about the scripture. If it was still the same wife. <sighs> Maybe the wife repented. Hopefully. Hopefully. We will find that out in heaven, okay? But the Bible was silent. But yet we know that at the end of his life, he was doubly blessed. He received double 
for all his trouble. And that's the faithfulness of God in Job's life. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand for that? What are you going through? I mean, can you actually compare yourself to what Job has experienced? And in the midst of that, chose to glorify God and worship the Lord and declared, blessed be the name of God. James chapter 1, I'm about to close. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the what? The crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Now, I want to clarify something. This came from the book of James. This is not talking about your eternal life. The crown of life is different from eternal life. You don't work for eternal life. Eternal life is received freely, amen, because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. But what is the crown of life? The crown of life is a reward to the righteous. It's one of those five crowns that you and I will receive in heaven. It's kind of like the Medal of Valor that a president gives to somebody who fought the war and he remained steadfast and he overcame. I believe that every time you overcome a trial in your life, you are accumulating the crown of life that is waiting for you to be rewarded when that time comes. Amen. Just hang in there. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, hang in there. Just say, hang in there. Okay, don't ever give up. Don't quit. Just hang in there. Tim Keller said this, we came to see that the great theme of the Bible itself is how God brings fullness of joy, not just despite, but through suffering. Not through the absence of suffering, but through it. Just as Jesus saved us not in spite of, but because of what he endured on the cross. And so there is a peculiar, rich, poignant joy that seems to come to us only through and in suffering. There's a different joy that goes through in your life when you go through a suffering and trial and you overcame. God will turn our mourning into dancing. Amen. He will actually cause us to sing and leap with songs of joy. And I believe that is, you know, part of our promise uh, with the Lord. Patiently waiting in suffering will result in our vindication and God's glorification. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I believe that as we end this series, it is an apt way for us to lift up whatever situation we have. We may go, be going through pain. We may go, be going through a sickness. Maybe a loved one is in the ICU right now. Maybe your marriage is in the ICU. Maybe a relationship with a friend is in the ICU. You're praying for healing. You're praying for deliverance. You're praying for God's answer to this. But what if he may tarry for a while and delay his answer for a bit? You know, God's delays are not God's denials. He will actually see you through. And in First Peter, as I end, chapter 2, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And this is the great apostle who walked with Christ. He committed no sin in verse 22. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, 
He did not threaten, but continued to entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I know it is difficult to act and walk like Christ in the midst of our pain. For example, if you're a victim of what, a black propaganda or a social media, you know, uh, uh, rumor or a gossip, what do you do? Do you want to retaliate? Or Jesus had all this, yet he remained silent and he did not retaliate. But yet we knew that we have a good judge who will judge fairly and justly. Amen. We will eventually be vindicated. We will eventually be delivered. There's no trial, nor temptation, nor hardship that is permanent that you're going through. Just hang in there. Hold the hands of God while you're going through the fire. He's there beside you. Open your eyes because He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Maybe some of you are here and you're going through sufferings and pains. I've made a lot of descriptions earlier. Maybe it's about your job, your marriage, your health, a sickness in your family. Maybe it's your sickness. Uh, maybe a death of a dear loved one in your home. Uh, it may be a child. It may be your spouse. It may be your finances. You know, whatever it is, if you're going through suffering right now with all heads bowed down and every eye closed, let's just lift it up to the Lord right now. Lift up your hand if you're going through such. And I want to pray for you. I want to just agree with you right now. The prayer of faith that, you know, as we lift this up to the Lord, may God give us wisdom in the midst of our trials and sufferings and pain so that we can actually be used by God to glorify Him in the midst of such. Lord, I thank you for this men and women. They... They want to please you in every way, Lord. I thank you that you are maturing them in their walk with you, Lord. I thank you that you have given all of us a glimpse of your purpose, of our sufferings, Lord God. I thank you that our sufferings will never be in vain, Lord. It may be a financial suffering. It may be a sickness. It may be a marriage problem. It may be a relational problem, Lord God. It may be a mistrust. It may be an issue of uh, you know, a reputation in the office. Whatever it is, God, we just cry out to you for your grace, Lord God. As we go through this painful season in our life, we know, God, that you are the one who will judge fairly. You know that We know that you are the one who will vindicate us as your people, Lord God. We thank you that your deliverance will come. But even as we wait, Lord God, I pray that we will remain steadfast like Job, that we will be patient like a farmer, that we will be faithful like the prophets in the past, that we will serve you no matter what, that we will glorify you, Lord God, that let our light shine uh, uh, before men so that we will learn to gl- we will glorify you, Lord God. We will glorify the Father in heaven, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we will not just merely proclaim the gospel, but we will also demonstrate the gospel through our lives and through our response. Lord, Lord, bless even everyone, God. Just receive the grace of God right now as you're lifting up your hand. Father, we speak your grace and your presence in everyone's life, even right now. A fresh breath of the Holy Spirit be upon you. Peace be upon you, Lord God. We thank you that the grace of God is more than enough for us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that in in your presence, there is going to be fullness of joy. And may we hear you more and more in a fresh new way, God. Indeed, through our suffering and pain, you shout out loudly even more. May we hear your voice in a fresh new way, God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace upon your people.
Let's receive your grace right now. Receive his grace. Thank you, Lord God. Let's all lift up our hands all across this room, everybody else. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for your blessing upon your people today. Once again, we honor our mothers. We thank you, Lord God, for our family. We thank you for our loved ones. We thank you for every blessing that we have received from your hand, God. And even as we leave this place, may your presence continue to be with us and so that we can glorify you every single day. Tomorrow, Lord, I know it's holiday, but I thank you, Lord God, it'll be an extra time for us to be with our friends and our, our, with our family, Lord God, and loved ones. Bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face to you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen.